A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. This is Jaleesa Arce, Cricket contributor, author of books, and lover of coffee. And this is the first installment of On the Brink, women who are on the edge of making history. Our first guest is Maya Rupert, who is only the third black woman to run a presidential campaign. And if successful, she would help elect the first Latino president of the United States. I'm so excited to bring you this conversation where Maya and I talked about her rise to become campaign manager of a historical presidential run, how she is running Secretary Castro's campaign differently, the pressure of being the only, and why she's empowered by the responsibility of opening doors for others. We hope you enjoy. Maya, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to speak with you. You are one of the women that we want to talk to because you're on the brink of making history, and we are just so excited to speak with you. So thank, thank you for you joining so much us. For that. Oh God, no! Seriously, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited for this too. Awesome. Um, so Maya, you are uh, one of the only Black women, and certainly the youngest, to be a campaign manager for a presidential hopeful. Um, and I was uh, I was kind of looking into some of the stuff that you've done before, and you haven't worked on a campaign before. Um, is that is that like a normal thing? Uh, to not have worked in a campaign before and then have like the biggest role in a campaign? Or what was your journey like to get here? I, I will say, I definitely don't think it's it's normal, but I've actually found that um, I think that my path has been hugely beneficial uh, to me. Um, I will say, I, I can talk a little bit about the journey and then a little bit about why I think it's been helpful. Um, so my background, right, is not in electoral politics. It's in sort of social justice um, movements broadly. Um, I've worked in um, racial justice. Um, uh, I, you know, right before I, I rejoined the sec- secretary, I was... Um, I worked for the um, Center for Reproductive Rights. Um, I, I've worked for um, LGBT rights organizations. I worked for the National Center for Lesbian Rights for a number of years. And so I have, um, you know, kind of background in, uh, you know, while not electoral politics, um, definitely sort of movement politics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, has been hugely beneficial. I think that the social justice movement is actually um, the way we tend to do work as a movement is actually hugely instructive uh, for the way that electoral politics can work. And truthfully, I think the way that it should work and the way that people are hungry for it to work. Mm. Right. So I think that a lot of the ways that we approach issues um, within the social justice movement, sort of understanding that no issue operates in a vacuum and that they all work together to impact the way people actually experience issues is something that's really valuable for politicians to keep in mind. I think very often we look at like a political platform as one issue, you know, kind of rising to the top of a number of buckets as opposed to, you know, a system of things that work together to either, you know, to, to that potentially could give people greater opportunity and improve people's lives. So one of the things I've been really excited about uh, working with Secretary Castro is that 
that's how we've kind of approached, um, you know, kind of policymaking, right? That our theory has been, let's engage in policymaking the way people experience policy, um, which is very much a social justice principle, but not so much one in electoral politics. So mm-hmm. I think that there are some of those shifts that people are really ready for that that really, for me, have come wholly out of working in movements where, you know, you're working on a particular issue, but you also have to recognize that, you know, there are a lot of intersecting issues that impact a person's experience. And so bringing that lens to bear in the political world has been really, really beneficial. Right. Yeah, no, and I think that anything that's really, there's a lot that we can learn for from how people um, build campaigns, like grassroots campaigns around yeah. issues, um, which don't often show up in uh, or at least I haven't seen them really show up in a in a big way um, when it comes to to campaigns to elect people. And there's I, I I agree with you. I think there's a lot that we can learn from how grassroots movements build campaigns because that is what we're doing, right? We're building campaigns around issues. So that makes exactly. total sense to me. Yeah. Um, so you know you you have a a, a big task at hand, right? Uh, in helping to elect the first Latino president and doing it as uh, as a black woman. Um, how does that feel to you? I definitely feel an intense amount of responsibility. Um, I want, you know, I mean, Secretary Castro's candidacy, I think, is, you know, it's something that can appeal to a very broad audience. But it's true um, and it's obvious and it's something that, you know, he's proud of, that I'm proud of, that this is going to have particular resonance for the Latino community. And so... I'm just very conscious that that is a position because that is not my community. It is a position that I am in that I want to take very seriously, um, that I approach with a lot, hopefully with a lot of humility, and that um, I want to make people, I want to make folks proud. You know, I remember watching um, Obama's campaign and hoping that people, you know, really appreciated the, the that the the historic the historic importance of of that candidacy to our community. And so I want desperately for folks to feel reflected by this campaign. I want people to feel supported and and I want people to appreciate that we are approaching it with that gravity. We want to make people proud. Um, so I, I, you know, and, and that's not a hard thing to do with, a, again, a candidate like Secretary Castro who takes that piece very seriously. You know, he obviously is is trying to appeal to, you know, an entire country, but he recognizes that. And he knows that when he goes to events that, you know, parents bring their kids up and they just want, you know, him to shake their hands and, and to be able to point to him and say, see, you can do it. And we know what that means. And so I think just, you know, as a person of color, I appreciate that. But the experience of Latinos in this country, particularly right now, with a president who has done hmm. so much to fearmonger um, and to, I think, vilify a community. I think more now more than ever, it's important for people to feel like, you know, he's he's to for people to be able to look up and 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 see that he is running for. Um, to, to make this community proud. And so that's what I really, that's that's what I kind of think about every day. And I, I'm really hoping that we do it. Yeah, well, I mean, I watched his, um, I am I am a Latina, uh, Mexican-American, uh, you know, formerly undocumented person. And I remember watching his uh, his announcement 
and I was just like sobbing in the car because I was watching it through a live stream and I was like, oh my God. And you know, the fact that he like did so much of it in Spanish and and, and brought in so many elements yeah. of um, of what is Latino culture, especially in San Antonio, which is like, you know, very Mexican American. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I, I felt very proud of that moment. So I'm really um, glad to hear so that. That makes me really, job. really happy. And I, I you know, I, I felt that like just watching the reaction on Twitter or like I, I snuck out into the crowd um to actually watch the speech with people mm. and the feeling was electric and it was just this like you know so many people i you know kind of just having that reaction people crying people having a very visceral he's talking to me moment i think it was it was really powerful and i you know i think we're all seeing a lot of the pieces that are coming out and all the hot takes about the role that the you know, Latino voters can play in this mm-hmm. this election. But then there's also always this kind of it's being tempered with this idea that, you know, yeah, but folks have to show up and, and this is not a community that typically votes. I challenge our conventional wisdom <laughs> on that and kind of say, you know, if, if folks don't feel like they're being spoken to, if folks don't feel seen, they're not going to feel as compelled to engage in a in a in a uh, an election, right? So I think that right. I think that the community very often gets underestimated because I think that if we if we actually do our jobs, right? If we are investing in communities early, if that engagement feels genuine, and if people feel like there is a candidate that is talking to them, that sees them, that knows and hears their experience, and can and can map that onto a broader this 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 also is a part of the American dream story. Yep. I think that we're going to see a lot of people who typically don't engage or have not in the past engage for the first time in this election. So I really think that that a lot of those pieces are massively underestimating something and they're maybe not fully appreciating exactly what we're describing, which is a lot of people hearing a speech like that and feeling moved and feeling seen. Yeah, I I love everything you said. I mean, what 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 gets me really excited is not just that, you know, it would be um, it would be a historical moment to um, to elect a Latino president. And what I love about his campaign also is that there would be a black woman who is a campaign manager who makes that happen. And I just think how amazing and beautiful is that? And that's what we're trying to celebrate this month is the women who are who are on the brink of making history, especially in places where we sometimes um, don't think about, right? Like we think about uh, like the first woman president and that's really, really important also. But I am excited to kind of explore these other areas where women like you um, could help make history and would be making history in it of yourself as well. So I'm excited. Thank you. And one thing I wanted to ask you about is that, you know, there are there are very few women of color um, in leadership roles in campaigns um, and even less so in, in senior roles. Um, like our representation is really minimal. And I was recently reading an article in Political that said um, the potential 2020 Democratic presidential campaigns in the early stages of assembling campaign staffs are running into an uncomfortable truth. Among the re- already small pool of capable operatives, there's even a smaller pool of non-white campaign managers and senior advisors. Do you think that that's really true, that there is a small pool, as the political article says, or are candidates just not committing to looking for diverse candidates to run their campaigns? Honestly, or is it both? I, I think it's both. I think there's a combination. Look, I, I, I do think that historically this the pool has been very small. And so if you're looking for 
the exact same credentials that the people who ran campaigns in the last cycle and the cycle before that have, then yes, you're looking at a very small pool of people in general, and you're looking at an even smaller pool of folks of color. And I think that that is due to, you know, a a number of issues. I mean, we have had, we we can't sort of recognize that we've had a pipeline problem up until now, Mm -hmm. and then look around and say, huh, why aren't there more people of color if we haven't done any of the work to actually fix who's coming through the pipeline, who's getting these experiences that we then later say are essential in order to run a campaign, right? So I do think there's there is a there's a small pool. I think that if folks are genuinely committed to diversifying, they need to be willing to say, what are the qualifications that I need in order to have somebody run this campaign? Like, what am I what am I really kind of looking for? And, you know, I, I, I think more often than not, there are a set of skills that translate from 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 different sort mm-hmm. of fields or different industries that can prepare someone to run a campaign, right? Like we talked about this at the beginning. My background is not in electoral politics. Um, But I have, you know, run organizations before. I have, you know, I've been, you know, a movement leader. So I'm I'm able to bring, you know, running a campaign on some level is running an organization, right? You're standing Mm -hmm. up and, and leading an organization of people. And so you want somebody who's managed people before and managed teams before. And I think that's important. You're also looking for somebody who's going to be able to give you strategic advice and guidance. As a candidate, you need somebody that you can trust with that. And I've, you know, worked with Secretary Castro a lot. And so we have that strong relationship. Um, and I think, too, you, ha- you, you need somebody who is capable of kind of leading leaders to recognize where they don't themselves have a subject matter expertise and to bring, you know, folks up and kind of traffic cop a process so that you can get to the best solution. But it's not that that person needs to have every single answer, right? right. And so if you take what you're looking for a layer up, I think that you see you actually have a huge pool of people right. to, look, to, to look at. But I think that sometimes we... We have kind of mystified the idea of politics to the point that it's like, unless you've done cycle after cycle, you just can't do this stuff. And the tough thing about that is we know it's tough to 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 get to that point for a lot of people, especially folks of color, especially women of color, because one, we very often have a system where we aren't we aren't paying people for the work that they're doing. Right. So you have unpaid internships that you have to take for a few cycles in order to even get to more senior levels and rise up from there. Well, if you do that, you're already vastly limiting the number of people that can do it. Um, I you know, I I, when I was younger, I wouldn't have been able to afford to work for a campaign because I, I could not work for free. And I think that's true of a lot of people of color. And so one of the things we've done, it was one of the the biggest things that I felt very strongly about coming in is that we committed to paying our interns and we're going to pay $15 an hour because one, it's work and we should pay I'm for it. I'm over here snapping two, my fingers, by the way. <laughs> right? So like, for, I mean, but, but the other thing is then in two more cycles, we're going to be looking at a more diverse pool because we will be seeding the, we will be seeding this pool of people who now will have some of those experiences who've gotten through a cycle. Um, who, you know, maybe wouldn't that wouldn't have been available to them otherwise, right? So, I mean, I think the, these things, they, they kind of play into each other, right? Like, unless you have people at senior levels who appreciate how difficult it would be to try to work for free, you're not going to have people who make that kind of issue urgent. So it's a little bit of the chicken or egg thing, right? Like, what... Do you do you create the pipeline first and then change it, or do you just get folks at the top and then change? And you know, and I think to right. some extent it has to happen simultaneously. But, but I, I would very strongly encourage candidates to just think. You know, don't 
think about a campaign manager the way you would think about any other sort of leadership role. There's not one set of of qualifications or criteria that make it so that this person can you know, can do this job versus someone else. There's not like a single path. And if you're willing to broaden your perspective about what that is, I think you absolutely broaden your pool. And I think you you bring some you bring in some fresh perspective. I think we're really doing things in a very different way. And I will say a part of that reason is that I have not shied away from the fact that my background isn't this and mm-hmm. I want to bring in some some new ideas about the way some of this stuff runs. You know, some of it is I'm I'm absolutely willing to defer to folks that have done this before and that can, you know, help me kind of understand, you know, kind of navigate some of these places where I don't have as much expertise. But I'm also willing to say, oh, that's the way you guys have done this before. I don't actually think that's the best way. Let's try it this way. Yeah. And so you you do get a you get a fresher perspective when you're willing to broaden your vision of what a campaign manager is. Yeah, that's um, that's. I mean, that's exactly. I think that's exactly right. And uh, and especially now when when you know what you said earlier about people are kind of ready for things to run differently and to operate differently. And if we're gonna do things differently and operate things differently, then we need to bring in people with different perspectives. And that might mean that, to your point, uh, you may have never worked on uh, on a presidential campaign before or even an an electoral uh, campaign before, but that doesn't mean that you aren't qualified to work in those spaces. More of On the Brink when we come back. Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Simply Save. And I want you to know that reading this ad is going to be a challenge because the word bulglur is here. And I don't know that I've ever been able to say that word correctly. I might just change it to like robber or thief or something else. Here's something interesting. Studies show that security systems deter burglars. I think I said that one right. It's a fact. But there's still a burglary every eight seconds in America. How, you ask? Well, think about it. Do burglars give up just because some houses have security systems? Do I give up saying the word burglar just because it's a hard word for me to say? Of course not. They just find a house that isn't protected. That's why securing your home is truly a necessity. So let me recommend this brilliant security system built by my friends at Simply Safe. Simply Safe believes fear has no place in a place like home. So they made their system ridiculously smart. Simply Safe sensors will protect every point of access to your home. Doors, windows, garage, you name it. If a burglar even tries to break in, an ear-shattering siren will let them know the police are already on the way. Best of all, Simply Safe's 24/7 monitoring is just 14.99 a month, and they'll never lock you in any long-term contract. More than 3 million people already know it feels good to fear less with Simply Safe. So go with the only home security I trust, Simply Safe, by going to simplysafe.com/crookedcombos. Go today and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com/crookedcombos for the home security I trust. simplysafe.com/crookedcombos. Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Quip. One of the most important things we do for our health every day is brushing our teeth. Yet, most of us don't do it properly. That's kind of disgusting. Quip is a better electronic toothbrush created by dentists and designers. 
Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. Some people brush too hard, and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive. With Quip, a built-in two-minute timer pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, helping guide a full and even clean. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. Quip is one of the first electronic toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association and has thousands of verified five-stars review. I love Quip uh, because it's really light and I travel a lot and uh, I don't have to take the battery with me because the battery lasts like a ridiculously long time. So get yourself a Quip and go on vacation. That's why I love Quip and why they're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash crooked combos right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electronic toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash crooked combos. So you said something earlier, um, which is that you are trying to run the campaign differently. And, you know, I've been excited to see some of the things that have come out um, of the way that you're running the campaign. I'm wondering if you could tell us some of the ways in which, um, you know, besides the sort of $15 minimum wage, which uh, I haven't seen other campaigns um do that before and sort of like commit to paying their interns so that's already I think a really big and bold and welcomed moved but what are some of the other ways in which you are running um Secretary Costa's campaign differently? So, yeah, I would say I mean definitely the kind of that people first um you know I, this is I, I want people to see Secretary Castro as a, th- this is the kind of organization he would build, right? Like the reason I will follow him anywhere is because I had him as a boss and he's an incredible boss. And so I want people to see him as this is the kind of organization he built and therefore this is the kind of leader he is. I think that's one of the easiest way to t- ways to translate someone, right? So we are building an organization that is close to his values. So we're encouraging, um, you know, staff to unionize. We're really, we're just, we're really going to try to walk the walk and live our principles on a daily basis, right? So I think, there, you know, there's kind of a number of things around that that, um, you know, I, I want to make sure is a, is is a piece of this. I also feel like, one of the weird things that I, I kept getting told early on was that, you know, when I would we were talking about building a team, there was a lot of people, there were, there were a lot of people who kind of gave the advice of, you know, these people are really talented. You just kind of get them in and, and, and figure out how they, you know, you figure out a role for them later, mm-hmm. get them in because they're talented, and then, you know, figure out where to put them and figure out how they work with a team. And that's never been the way I built a team, right? I, I, I feel like you, you build the best team by figuring out how a number of people work cohesively together. Um, and, and a big part of that is, you know, yes, there's, there's talent on a subject, but there's also being a good leader. And one of the things I've been surprised by in the in the campaign world is that I think a lot of times we're willing to give on, you know, people just being good managers and good leaders because there's a sense of, well, they have political talent. And so you kind of, you know, you let some things slide. If, mm. if everything goes as as I'm very hopeful and, and confident that it can, this is going to be the, working with us are going to be people's jobs for like, you know, two years. And for a lot of folks, this will be their first jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. I want those jobs to be I want them to be 
I want them to be helpful. I want them to be positive. I want them to walk away with a skill set. And so I want to treat this campaign like an organization. I want there to be opportunities for for growth and development. And I want people to look at their bosses and see people who are are mentoring them. So that's something that I'm I have not been willing to give on this idea that if someone is sort of talented enough, you deal with them not being the strongest with their bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, I can say that, right? (laughs) Thank you. Not to put too fine a point on it. But yeah, right. So I so so it's it's things like that, like, like, just not excusing some of that stuff, because somehow politics is a different industry. I mean, it's not. And if you think about it, this is the industry that gets us to to government, right? It's the industry that gets us to from my point of view, like, the most important roles that people play in public life is, Building a government that is actually going to be helpful to people can be a place where people come together and improve people's lives. And so I want that industry to be as close as possible to I want that industry to prepare people for this really important role that they're bringing that they're that they would be going into. And so, you know, I I just there there are some of those pieces that I have not been willing to sort of seed as just that's how politics works. Yeah. Um, that's I also think a lot of it is just encouraging Secretary Castro and like the ways that he approaches some of these issues. Like I think that you know he ta- he spoke recently about reparations, and that was that was somewhere that we kept getting told was politically very fraught. You don't really want to get into it. And so when he started talking about it, he specifically said, I'm not going to talk about this as a political issue because I don't think it is, right? Hmm. This is a moral issue for him, and so he's going to talk about it that way. And I think that, again, it's a sort of breaking with tradition of, I know that there was advice that this is politically, that's not how you approach this, but that's, he 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 saw it a certain way. And so if nothing else, just advising him to go in those moments with actually the way he sees these issues. Um I think is I I think it it both it, it genuinely is politically helpful, but it's also just this is the cycle for that kind of thinking, hmm, right? Yeah. For people to be bold to just to 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 say how they actually feel about something and not be cowed by the polling around it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think there are there are there are pieces like that, and then like I said, there's the there's the policy making piece that I, um. I'm I'm most excited about my background is is more in policy so I get really excited about the way we're approaching this stuff right um and being able to think about how do we you know kind of how do we look at a how do we look at a specific issue and actually look at it holistically enough so it helps people not just focusing on kind of like legal access but actually people's lived experiences is one is an is an area that is really exciting to me yeah yeah that 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 i mean that is exciting and even even like hearing you talk about um the way that you guys are approaching uh not just the way that you run the campaign itself but how you are approaching policy making and it's really exciting i mean to me that's that's what that's what's really exciting about having um, people like you running a campaign because you think differently and you've had different experiences and so you bring those things uh, to the table with you which I think is amazing um, one one of the one of the other um, points that I wanted to chat with you about um, in terms of the campaign is also um, you know I, I think as a woman and we've we've seen this we've seen like sort of in this era of me too um, and times up 
really revolutionizing like every single industry uh, and and women sort of coming out and and sharing their stories and empowering other women to share theirs and to change things. And I know that you guys, one of the first things that you guys did was to create a sexual harassment policy. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, yeah, you know, just the sort of the the process of when when we came in, we knew we wanted to make sure that this was something that when people came in, they recognized this was a priority. It was going to be a priority for him. It was going to be a priority for this team. Um, so it was one of the first conversations I had with like, you know, with our with our attorneys. And so we are, um, you know, kind of in the process of, of finalizing our um, employee handbook. And, and we're, you know, I was just talking to our, our new CEO specifically um, about about this, that I want to make sure that not only are there um, there's a policy in place, but there are actually trainings that are sort of specific to senior staff, mid-level staff, junior staff, because there are obviously different issues that arise. And there are also different different obligations um, for, you know, kind of depending on where folks are in the organization. But right. that I want to send a very clear message early on that this is going to be something that we take seriously as a team. And that I will also say that it doesn't have to be limited to, 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 to sexual harassment. I, you know, I think harassment policies more broadly, I, it's it's like I was saying, right? I, I, we want to build an organization where people actually feel safe and comfortable and supported coming to work. Um, and so, obviously, sexual harassment is a huge part of that, and we have seen that it that it is has been an issue um, in this in this area. And we want to make sure that we are combating that. But I also just want to make sure that there are policies in place that make sure that people feel like if you're not being treated well, that is that's that's an issue that we as an organization are going to take seriously. So, um, yeah, I was really I'm I'm very grateful that not only have we been able to, um, you know, kind of start pulling together that policy, but also that, you know, there there has not been that that the level of support that we've gotten from you know Secretary Castro from the organization, mm-hmm. I, I I'm really heartened by the fact that this is something that people were excited to see. I have not had a conversation with somebody saying, "Okay, this is going to be difficult to comply with," or "Here here here's what you're creating that's going to cre-, you know what I mean that's that's going right. to be an issue." People's reaction has 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 matched what I have heard pe- how I have heard people talk about this externally, which makes me think again, we as an industry, a community are ready to start making some of these changes and being genuine about them. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I yeah, that's um that's that's amazing. I mean the way that you guys are approaching thing has approaching different uh issues is um I think it's it's really amazing and I really hope that other uh other campaigns uh take the lead from you guys and implement some of these um some of these really unique um, powerful things that you guys are doing and take them. I hope that it has a ripple effect and Agreed. this is how other campaigns have to do things because uh, you guys are leading in, in, in some of these things. So um, th- the other thing I, want, I wanted to chat with you about, you know, I think I think sometimes when you're the first at anything, right, like you're the first person to do this or the first person to do that, like it can be, it can be a lonely experience, especially when there aren't a lot of people in your same position or at your same level who can give you advice and who can uh, or who can mentor you because you sort of, you know, it's it's lonely at the top. Um, and uh, I know that, you know, we were I was reading through this article where um, Jody Casey, who uh, who came on board as Beto's Beto Rook's campaign manager, uh, 
and she faced this sort of really big problem, which was you know, she wanted to get advice from other people. And when her Senate campaign grew to, into like a $70 million operation and she was looking for mentors, she was like, I couldn't really find a person that that I could talk to or that that had my same sort of experience. And so I'm wondering, like, who are your mentors or, or who has helped you to get here? And who do you look for? Um, who do you look to for advice? I'm very fortunate. I have um, my my sisters who are incredible. Well, my sister and her wife, who are my people, <laughs> um, they like just moved me to San Antonio. Like they're just there. I I'm I'm very grateful in that I just have this incredible support network in in them. Um, and they're nowhere near the industry, right? Like they don't work in politics. They yeah. That we work in different areas, but I I do think that you know just. You know, three black women who are in, um, you know, positions of power in, in, in different industries. I do think that even though they're not the same area, there are similar enough experiences that we are able to translate across industry and give each other really good advice. Um, and these are people who love me unconditionally and know me, you know, so there's also the value of just having these kind of, you know, that just that that like the ride or die crew, um, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm I feel I feel very fortunate there that like if absolutely nothing else I have them. Um, I've also you know had a couple of people who've who've reached out to me and just been like in in incredible mentors who have you know again maybe not doing the exact same thing but people who have you know kind of gone out of their way to say. Um, hey, you know what? I'm here. What do you need? Like who've worked on campaigns before? Um, Bishop Garrison, who is a senior policy advisor um, on HFA, has been like a big brother to me and like oh, in in so many ways. And we didn't know each other when I came into this role, right? Like he just kind of, you know, and I, and I do think that like, especially for, you know, folks of color within the black community, a lot of people have just kind of been like, you know, I don't know you, but if I can be helpful, I'm here. Right. Um, just because I, I think that a lot of us have had similar enough experiences that there is that that kinship, um, regardless of whether or not anyone's experienced the exact same thing. So I, you know, I I definitely look for for <laughs> women for women of color who uh, maybe they're doing the same thing, maybe they're doing something close, but I think a lot of the 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 difficulties about some of these roles um, are unfortunately similar across the board regardless of exactly where you where where you are so even if people are, haven't done the exact same thing very often I find that you can you can find some really good uh, mentorship um, um, among people and sometimes it's not even I need somebody who's done the exact same thing or can tell me what to do I need to be able to say this thing out loud and have it sort of yeah. validated I want to be able to say I know, you know, this meeting was hard and this issue was hard and it would have been hard anyway. But I also know that I came into the room with a little bit less credibility and that wouldn't have happened to me if it weren't for my identity mm. and have someone just be like, yep, right. we'll see you. And not have to prove it, not have to explain that maybe everybody was just having a bad day. And, you know, j- to just be able to right, say that yeah. and have somebody feel it on a visceral level and just like acknowledge you and be like, yep, I I, I see you. I'm with you. Um that's valuable. Like sometimes at the end of the day, that's really all you need. And so um, I'm I'm very fortunate to yeah. have that. I want to be that for other people. Um, so yeah, I you know we 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 are building a very diverse team. Um, I will you know have a lot of women, have a lot of women of color who are working with us. And so I'm also hopeful I can I can be that um, that I can be a shield against some of it. But I know it's still going to happen to mm-hmm. folks. So I at least want them to be comfortable to walk into my office and say. 
here's what happened to me. Say, yep, I see you. Cricket Conversations is brought to you by Turo. Turo is a peer-to-peer car sharing marketplace where you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Available in over 5,500 cities across the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and Germany, with over 9 million users worldwide. Way better than a rental car. How is Turo better than other car sharing or car rental options, you ask? You can choose the best car for you, often at a lower cost than traditional car rental agencies. You can customize your experience for whatever your adventure demands. Over 850 unique makes and models are available. Tesla, Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Ferrari, Subaru, Toyota, and more. Even brands that I have never heard of. Very luxury types cars. Whether it's a truck to help on a moving day, a swishy sports car for a luxurious weekend away, or a vintage van for a picture-perfect road trip, Truro lets you find the perfect vehicle for your next adventure. More than 350,000 vehicles listed globally. Many hosts offer to deliver the card right to you. Insurance options are available on every trip. Skip the rental counter with Turo. That is my least favorite part of renting a car. So if I can skip the rental counter, I am with Turo. Download the Turo app. That's T-U-R-O on the App Store or Google Play or visit Turo.com. My listeners will get $25 off their first trip when they sign up for Turo and use promo code COMBOS at checkout. Terms apply. Cricket Conversations is brought to you by Drops. When it comes to your laundry detergent, are you overpouring and overpaying? You shouldn't pay extra for unnecessary additives. Drops doesn't either. Drops detergent pods pass on artificial colors and icky chemicals and pass the savings to you. With Drops laundry detergent pots, they're one half the cost compared to leading detergent brands and wash plans are less than your monthly Netflix subscription. Come on, that's pretty good. Whatever you need, Drops has a plan that fits you like your favorite t-shirt. The best part, they're delivered direct to your door in plastic-free compostable packaging. Save the oceans from plastic pollution and save 30% off of your first Drops order. Go to www.drops.com. It's a win-win. I watched Blue Planet 2 on the plane the other day, and plastic pollution is like a real thing that's killing our planets. So go with Drops, drops drops.com. Come on. It's manufactured in the USA. Visit drops.com. That's drops.com to get an extra 30% off your first order of convenient, plastic-free, eco-friendly cleaning. Use code CROOKED at checkout because every drop counts. But I'm serious, guys. Like, reducing plastic from the oceans is a big deal. I am all about the drops. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics, because that's who we are. 
Do you feel any like pressure that as a black woman, uh, your triumphs and your mistakes uh, might be reflective of like an entire group of people? I mean, I know that, you know, as like as a woman of color myself, like sometimes I feel that way. Like if I F up, like I'm ruining it for everybody else. Do you ever feel Absolutely. that kind of pressure? Um, not, and I'm very fortunate because not from Secretary Castro. I do not think he thinks to himself, I took a chance hiring a black woman, and so she needs to prove that that was worth it. I, I, I have never, I have never felt that from him, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and and it, yeah, it feels genuine great. to me because, truthfully, the other teams I've worked on him, um, with with him on, he has he has consistently hired very diverse teams, right? So I don't I, that 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 has never impacted me, which is really important. But on a more global scale, absolutely, I think that. Anytime, it's just what you said, right? It's like when you're the first or what is it? First only different. I think that's what Shonda Rhimes would do, right? So yeah. <laughs> when, you're, when you're in in that kind of group, um, yeah, you know that, you know, when people talk about it and people say, oh, wow, one of three black women who've led a, a presidential, um, I know that that means that if I am you know, unsuccessful that I, if I do this, if I, if I, if I do something wrong, if I mess up in a way that people will, you know, kind of quickly attribute to, you shouldn't have been there anyway. Um, that will make some people think twice about the next black woman. And I, and I carry that in, in the, you know, it's, it's, it's a source of responsibility. Um, Sure, I wish it weren't true <laughs> that that we have right. Like, yeah, but, but absolutely. Same- I mean, it's it's unfair. You know, it sucks. Like, because other people don't have to feel that way, right? Because there's, uh, I mean, one. I think in other communities, people yeah. like fail up, <laughs> and uh, and you know that doesn't yeah. happen um, with women of color. And so it's it's. Uh, I think it's an unfair it's an unfair pressure, but one that it's that it's real and that. And that we have to—it's a burden right. we have to carry right. and deal with. And I think I think it's one of those things where I think to myself, I can—I have a choice. I can either say it's an unfair burden, and that can frustrate me or make me angry or constantly focus on how much it sucks, or I can say it sucks, but I, you know, I—I'm gonna—I'm gonna carry it in the same way I carry other responsibilities that maybe shouldn't fall to me, but they do. And the bigger picture is that that also puts me in a position to have other black women see me and say, okay, I can do that too. And so that's the that's the hard part. It's that it's the flip side of that burden. Right. It's both a burden and a really right. cool thing that I can help share. And so I try to focus on the on the positive part and a little bit less on um, you know, the fact that that is it's an unfair responsibility, but it's mine and and I will carry it and try to and and try to focus on the pieces that mean means I can open doors for other black women. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is also, it is also empowering, right? Like it's empowering to know that you are paving the way and that you're opening doors of opportunity for other people that may not have have had those opportunities if it wasn't because you are in the Absolutely. position that you are. And and I I think too, especially in in like political fields, sometimes really what you need is seeing that somebody else's path looks like yours. And so it's not impossible. So why not try? I think for a long time, I thought of myself as I couldn't work in this kind of politics because I don't have connections. Or like I said, I you know couldn't afford to volunteer for a campaign or I did. You know, there were a certain set of things that I said to myself mm-hmm. were 
the necessary ingredients to go into politics. And I'm not saying, I'm not even saying I was completely wrong. I think those paths are a lot more common. But sometimes what you need to see is somebody doing it differently to say, okay, maybe I could see myself there too. And if I can be that for people in general, but especially for women of color and especially for black women, I, I, I want, I want that desperately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, listen, I, I've had just an amazing time speaking with you. I could ask you a million more questions, uh, but there is just one question that I always like to end on. End on, um, And we've had a pretty uplifting conversation. Sometimes I think when I have these conversations with people, they're like, <laughs> they're just like so sad. Uh, and we yeah. talk about such like heart hitting things. And I, you know, I like want to cry halfway through. And so I like to end on a happy note. Although I feel like this entire conversation has just made me so happy because you are, you are so amazing. And um, you're doing such amazing, amazing work. But I do like to end on this one note, which is I always ask all of um, all of our guests on conversation what makes them hopeful for the future. So what makes you hopeful? Um, Secretary Castro was just in L.A. and he spoke with a high school class, a college class and had this sort of, you know, big event. Um, and, you know, I got so I got constant pictures of him with young people. And I am every time I see these these young people who, you know, especially high school age, especially kids who are genuinely excited about the idea of him. I just I get so hopeful for the future. I'm so unbelievably bowled over by young people right now. It really uh, it really does astound me um, how many people have, mm -hmm. you know, really, really started to own their power and position in politics, and especially young people of color. Um, when I see these like young Latinx organizers who are excited about him and are and are, you know, making sure they're registered to vote and are talking about registering their families and do, I am just I I feel like we're doing something right. Sometimes I look at the political the political situation right now, and it's easy to lose hope. But when you think about it, there's a generation of people for whom this is their formative political experience. Can you imagine how amazing those people are going to be? Mm -hmm. Like, think about the people that are 15, 16, 17 right now going through this. They are going to run for office. They are going to start organizations. They are going to fight to this. This will be this will be how they politically came of age. I get so fired up thinking about what those people are going to do. And so I, I'm just, I, I really am feeling like the young people that are like, that are, are taking this moment and are, and are saying no and are fighting back are just going to change the way we think about everything. And I'm, I'm so excited to see what they do. Yeah, well, I, I'm excited too. You just, you just right? need me. Like, I'm not sure. Like, I want to go like march right now, or like I want to go. Seriously, <laughs> I want to go do something. Thank you so much for doing this. I, you, I'm such uh, a big fan of yours, and so I'm so glad we got to do this conversation. Yes, me too. And um, hopefully, we'll we'll. This won't be the last. This won't be Absolutely. the only and last conversation we have. Thank hopefully, you. we have many more to come. Thank you so much for being on the show. I don't know about you guys, but I am ready to go march, knock on some doors, get some people elected into office. Um, that conversation was so amazing. I am super excited that during this year's Women's History Month, we are going to celebrate not only the women who have already made history, but women who are on the brink of making history. And I really am excited to explore just 
everything that's keeping us from breaking barriers and what we all can collectively do to support other women. Um, please, please, please share this episode with your friends, with your colleagues, with your family, with your mom, uh, and subscribe to Crooked Conversations. Rate us and follow me on Twitter, Julissa Arce. Thank you so much. See you next week. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.